Good morning to you. Welcome on into today's programme. It's Wednesday. We're with you right through until 12 midday today on the programme. We're looking at uh, some people very unhappy this morning by your ruling. Today also we're going to that whole situation in relation to the Karna uh, situation. 36 years on after Barbara Walsh went missing. Certainly Colin McDonough joins us and a family member. Today also Patricia Hines has some jobs up for grabs uh, today. We're having a bit of a fireside chat so we are with Bishop Brendan Kelly and also indeed we're going back to the whole situation uh, in relation to eating and drinking out Side. We're going back to that whole rail review indeed by Professor John Bradley on today's programme. We're also looking at Druid and uh, the Marine Mullen Bursary, which is up for grabs yet again. We're going skateboarding, we're going causing trouble, and we're going to have a row. That and more between now and 12 midday. All of the comment lines are open today if you want to get through to us on 0917700775 and if you want to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you uh, this morning and please do uh, get in contact with us. Now though, um, my inbox started kind of pinging yesterday evening and I was wondering what was going on with my, my uh, emails and I'm just going to give you just a flavour of some of them. And uh, just one of them even, and we got about 10 emails on this. Hi Keith, homeowners have just uh, seen on a board planola that the Galway City Ring Road decision is pushed again uh, to the 27th of August. I'd love if you can question this or ask why, why, why again. I would prefer if you didn't say my name, however, to ask the TDs that are listening to find out why, why, why again. The poor homeowners are waiting far too long for answers. Thank you so much for reading this, Keith. Uh, and this comes from a devastated landowner. And the second email I got last night was from uh, Deputy Noel Grealish, who joins you on the line. Noel, good morning to you. Thank you for joining uh, us uh, today. Morning, Keith. And the emails just kept coming, just like that last night. Up to about 10 of them came in last night. Yes, Keith, and I got one uh, last night. I'll just read out a, a gist of it. Keep pushing out dates and accountable to nobody. It's a joke. All the people waiting for years to be put out of their misery and they keep moving dates to suit themselves. As you're aware, Keith, the, the decision was supposed to be on the 25th of June of uh, this year. And on board, Panola pushed the date out to the 25th of August in 2021, um, which is another two months. And they continue to keep kick the ball down the road uh, uh, on making a decision on this project. Uh, it's been on board, Panola for over three years. And, I, and, I, and in all fairness, Keith, I don't think it should take that long for a decision to be made on this project. I've written to Dave uh, Walsh this morning who is the chairman of Onboard Panola, asking that they do not uh, pass this date on the 27th of August 2021 because this project, uh, a decision has to be made on it because the homeowners can't go through this any longer. But Onboard Planola are above reproach at this stage and approach from, from deputies like your good self. They're that independent body. But what type of pressure can you put on them to ensure uh, that it's out on the 25th of August? Well, the 27th of August. 27, well, I, I put a call in to Eamon Ryan and to uh, Daryl O'Brien this morning. But they can do nothing either, Noel, though, can they really? Well, on, on all fairness, Keith, and Board Panol is, is an independent organisation. Yeah. It is independent of government and independent of politicians. But they have to be made aware uh, of what's happening to the homeowners out there that are affected by this. These people are severely affected. They can't go through this uh, much longer, Keith. The decision has to be made. Uh, the people are not doing up houses. They want to downsize. They want to sell. They cannot do anything. They're sitting there in limbo land. And, Keith, the decision has to be made urgently. I'm going to try and put a call into Dave Walsh as well to see, will he take my phone call to see, can something be done about this? But the situation is, to me... And to you, because we're long enough knocking about, this is deja vu going back to the previous uh, plan for the road where people borrowed money, people were waiting to be bought out, and all that happened, and uh, people died, and people lost their health over it, 
and uh, then that plan was abandoned because of whatever was going on in Menlo at the time. And here we have people going through the exact same journey yet again. Yeah, Keith, well, I don't want to go back over what I said previously. This is going on uh, for 22 years. The original route was only eight uh, homeowners affected by it. Now there's 54 homeowners affected by this. Uh, these are people, these are family homes. These are people that live there. And it's also the people that live beside the road. And there's no guarantee either, Keith, if this project gets to go ahead, that the government will give the funding for this project to, uh, to be built. That's the issue that I raised in the doll, because I don't want the situation is if the board grant this, and then the government don't provide the funding, what's going to happen? Are we going to be left in limbo land for the next 10 or 15 years? Are these homeowners going to be left in limbo land uh, and no decision to be made regarding the homes or what's going to happen? I spoke to him and Ryan last week in the Dáil regarding this, and he did say that if the board grant this project, that uh, he will look at the compensation package. But look at Keith, we kind of keep kicking the ball down the road. Uh, pressure has to be put on the chairman and Avon Borpanola, Dave Walsh, that the, that the date of the 27th of August, that has to be written in stone. A decision has to come out then. Either the road is going ahead or it's not going ahead. Uh, because if they do grant, uh, Keith, we don't know if there are going to be legal challenges to it. Uh, clarification has to be sought from the Minister for Transport to ensure what happens with the homeowners. Clarification has to be sought from the government to ensure that if uh, the project uh, is granted by Board Panala, is the funding there? If it is, let us build it. If it's not, well, then let us abandon the project. Something has to happen. Well, what's to plan B, though? If, it, if the project is abandoned, what is plan B? Keith, I've raised this numerous times in the Dáil that we don't have a plan B for Galway. There is proposals for bus connects and everything, but that's not not going to solve the traffic congestion uh, in Galway. Over the last number of weeks, I've seen it there constantly on a Friday evening. There was two times I had to turn around and I had to come back out of Galway. I couldn't get in with traffic, which is great to see. It's great to see the city back up and running again. But there's no solution there yet to try and solve the the traffic situation in Galway. It is complex, uh, Keith, regarding the the, the crossing of the car up and the building of the bridges. It is a very, very, very tight uh, uh, passageway that we have in Galway City where a road can be built. Uh, the original road should be built, but it, it isn't. We all know what happened there. But now the board here will go again, kick the ball down the road, and that's going to. And I don't want to see again on the 27th of August that the ball is kicked again down for another two months and it's kicked out into the next uh, out into next year, and we don't have certainty. And I do not want families to be worrying to go through the the the, the, the stress that they're going through. They need clarity either the board granted or the board don't grant it. If they don't grant it, then we have to look at plan B, which I don't know what it is for Galway. If they do grant it, then we have to work with the homeowners straight away and to see why, uh, what we can do for them to ensure that they can move on with their lives. Okay, so, I mean, depending on how you get on with Dave Walsh, even though, I mean, even even putting the call into him is dangerous because it could be seen as interference, uh, but you're you're politically astute enough to figure that one out yourself. Uh, but Keith, but Keith, he, he has to realise, he has to, and I have a letter written to him this morning outlining the stress that... No, no, I'm not giving out here. I'm not, I'm not, but I'm you know the way political and, and, interference and think, is something. Well, it's not political interference. I just want to, it's not, I'm not making a, I'm not ringing up to see do I want the road or I don't want the road. I'm ringing up if I, and I, I probably won't ring him, but I, I am writing to him to, uh, to outline to him the stress that some families are going on, or, under, uh, are through with this project. And he needs to know that. And the board 
Parliament of Umbor Planola need to know that. As a politician, I'm sure I can write to them. I'm not aware of any legislation which says that uh, as a public representative, I cannot write to the chairman of Umbor Planola. He is a public appointed official, but uh, I think it's important that it's brought to his attention uh, 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 what's happening in Galway, particularly with the homeowners. And we, yeah, do, need, yeah, yeah. Uh, we do need a decision on this, uh, Keith, and I don't want to become an honour. Any other politician no. doesn't want to become an honour. No, honor. I understand, and I know I know, more the, I know quite a few of the homeowners, sorry, I know three or four of the homeowners that are finding it extremely difficult to cope with what's going on now because they're, as you said, they are in limbo and they're a long time in limbo, so they are. And um, it's gone on long enough, but you it's say now... They're eight years. Eight years this project, uh, the second project has started. The preferred route came out eight years? Uh, in, in, in 2015. So 2015, the people uh, are, are affected by this okay. since 2015 uh, that the homes are going to be, uh, if the project goes ahead, that the homes will be knocked. Uh, they cannot move on with their lives. They cannot downsize. They cannot upsize, they cannot paint the house. Look at Keith, I've got harrowing stories, and I'm not going to, uh, um, and I'm sure you have got them as well, how families are affected by this. And I'm sure all politicians uh, have got it. And I'm going to talk to my colleagues uh, in in, in the Oireachtas today if I come across them and to see um, uh, that we have to, what we have to try and do is to ensure that the 27th of August is the final uh, deadline uh, for this project. All right, uh, Deputy Noel Grealish, thank you for joining us uh, today on the programme. Uh, and again, if you have thoughts on that, feel free to make them known to us, please, on 53995, WhatsApp us to 0870-958-968. And you can also call us on 091-770-77. The mystery of 36 years, we go to that in a little over two minutes. Stay tuned for that and more to come on how one family, all they want is help and all they want is some answers. Do you know those moments in your lifetime and uh, when you remember where you were when you heard what was going on? And when I'm going back to 1985, I'm talking about there was no local radio. You had Radio Nagelthic there, Radio 1, so you had. And you had the RT1 News at 6 o'clock in the evening. Uh, you had a dedicated uh, Garda Force indeed looking uh, for Barbara Walsh. And Barbara Walsh was only 34 at the time. And uh, 36 years later, when it comes to the time of her 70th birthday, her family and uh, Galway Gardaí indeed have put a concerted effort into informing people and looking for information about what happened 36 years ago. Regardless indeed of what happened, and the family want to know the truth. The grandchildren want to know the truth. If you're listening to FYI yesterday evening here, on Galway BFM, you'll have heard Morton O'Connor talking to many of the family members, and it's quite harrowing indeed. But leading it on behalf of uh, Galway Gardaí, indeed, is Detective uh, Sergeant Colin McDonagh, uh, who has put a huge amount with his colleagues into this uh, as a cold case, indeed. And what they're looking for today is information. And he joins me now on uh, the line today, Sergeant McDonagh. Good morning to you. Thank you, indeed, for joining us uh, today. Can you hear me all right there? Seem to have a slight problem. Can I just uh, switch lines there, if you don't mind? And can I bring Sergeant McDonagh up on the left-hand uh, side there altogether? Uh, we'll just have to get him up again, so we're there, unfortunately. Uh, but again, it's somebody that's listening to us today, and I do know uh, that in the last uh, 10 years we put a new transmission site up in the Kearney area, and I do know, indeed, that we have a good listenership out there, but somebody out there knows exactly what's going on or what went on or may have heard a rumour of what went on and they may have heard the rumour from somebody who's no longer with us, uh, but they would be in a position perhaps to help the Walsh family in Galway Gardaí uh, to try and get to the bottom uh, of the issue. And really and truly what they're looking for at this stage, as I said to you, is information. 
And I can only imagine what it's like indeed for the family to be waiting 36 years to try and get that information and just wonder because they wake each and every morning wondering, is she going to walk in the door? How did she disappear? Where is she? Where has she been for 36 years? And if you can imagine if it happened to yourself, uh, if it happened to a family member, you would certainly be bothered um, beyond belief indeed had it not been resolved at this stage. So let me just uh, go again indeed uh, to Sergeant McDonagh who joins me on the line today. Sergeant, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us uh, today. It's 36 years is a long time to be waiting for answers. It certainly is and 36 years for Barbara's children waiting for their mother to come home as you can imagine 36 long agonising years waiting for answers. And again, I was just saying while we were getting through to you there on the call, what you're looking for is information uh, today, tomorrow, confidentially. Somebody who may have anecdotal evidence, somebody who may have heard a rumour, somebody who may have heard something from somebody who's now passed on or otherwise. But there's somebody somewhere today has information about what happened 36 years ago. Absolutely, Keith. We, we genuinely believe that there are people out there who have information that could assist us um, in progressing this investigation and getting some answers for Barbara's family. And I suppose yesterday's, uh, the significance of yesterday uh, and partnering with Crime Stoppers as part of this appeal is that those with information can now conform, come forward and share that information with us anonymously. Now, as well as that, they may benefit from a cash reward for supplying information that leads to a significant development in the case. And when you say they can do so anonymously, are you, are, you, you'll give me the numbers in a few minutes' time, so you will. But quite simply, if they've heard something, knew something, I mean, she was only 34 years of age, a beautiful young woman, 34 years of age, and leaving a family uh, behind, husband, children, extended family, and just disappeared. Yeah, exactly. In fact, she was only 33, uh, 33 years old. She left seven young children at home, and... Um, we we don't normally deal with rumours or, or, or gossip or anything like that, but you, as you rightly pointed out there, it is 36 years ago. So the people with the actual information may, may have passed away. Uh, so for that reason, we, we're appealing to anyone who knows anything, who has heard anything, um, to please get in contact with us. Uh, as you said, we can, they can contact Crime Stoppers on one 800 25 They can contact Salt Hill Guard Station, the Guard Confidential Line, or indeed any Guard Station. Uh, again, the information you're looking at, I mean, I can only imagine what it's like for Jacqueline and her, her, her other siblings, indeed, uh, wondering, and I was saying this earlier on, is mum ever going to walk through that door again? And where did she go? What happened? And unanswered questions like that really uh, would have to be at the back of the family's mind all the time. They've lived with this every single day for the last 36 years. And particularly, as you can imagine, a child longing for their mother to come home. You know, hours can seem like an eternity, not to mention weeks, months, the years, and never knowing what happened. That must be absolutely agonizingly painful for them uh, and heartbreaking all those years. And I think they deserve to know what happened to their mother after 36 years. I think if anyone has any information out there, we would plead with them to please come forward and share that information with us. I was listening, you wouldn't have been because you were just, you were, you were in Karna most of the day yesterday indeed with your colleague Karen. Uh, but I was listening to Martin O'Cahan and he was talking to a granddaughter indeed, uh, Barbara's granddaughter. And she really spoke to Martin from the heart and she said, I didn't know 
um, my grandmother on my mother's side, which would be Barbara herself, who's missing. Yeah. Um, my father's um, mother, my grandmother on the other side, uh, was very good to us. But I didn't know, she said, I just didn't know my grandmother. And that you could actually, and the girl in question, I don't know what age she is uh, at this stage, she said she was, it was, she was born seven years after her grandmother went missing. But like, you could actually hear the emotion in her voice because she, Absolutely, yeah. she, she's affected and she wasn't born until seven years later. Yeah, exactly. If you can imagine the pain that Barbara's grandchildren are going through, yeah. you can absolutely multiply that by hundreds, if not thousands, um, when you compare it to the pain that her own children, who on Friday night, the 21st of April, uh, sorry, the 21st of June, 1985, their mother was there, caring for them, looking after them. And when they got up on the 22nd of June, 1985, she was gone. So you can only imagine how they feel. And that's why, again, it's so important for anyone with any information mm-hmm. to please come forward and really give them some, give the Barbara's family some sort of closure. They need answers. And I think after 36 years, they absolutely deserve to find out what happened to their mother all and those years ago. Can I ask you, Detective Sergeant Conor McDonagh, um I mean, the old investigation, obviously you've gone through that, you've gone through, I mean, from a logistics point of view, you can only tell me so much. Um, but have you trawled right through all of that and is is there anything that gives you the impression that somebody may be withholding information and now is the time to come clean? Yeah, as you pointed out, we conducted a full case review in uh, January 1925. We commenced a full case review and we went through every single piece of evidence uh, available to us. And in fact, we gathered um, some additional evidence which led us to c- conducting a number of searches in the Karna and Russian the Minach area. Uh, then and since then, we've conducted uh, land and water searches in 20, late 2015, I think in November 2015. Uh, we, ca- we searched a number of lakes again, I think in 2016. And in fact, last year, uh, we continued uh, with the assistance of the Garda Water Unit to um, search lakes in the area. At the time, in, in 2015, we were assisted by the Garda Technical Bureau. We had a forensic anthropologist and an archaeologist on scene. We brought in the assistance of a cadaver dog from the United Kingdom to assist us with our searches. But we're still missing a key piece of information, which I'm confident somebody has. I'm confident that somebody out there has information that they have yet to pass on. And I think this is a great opportunity now for them to come forward and if they wish to pass on that information anonymously, as I stated, that there, there may be a cash reward for anyone with information, but I feel mm. that maybe even more importantly, the anonymity aspect of it could be important. If somebody feels that if I didn't come forward, then, you know, what would people think of me for coming forward now? Well, I think this is the opportunity now by contacting Crime Stoppers on one 800 25 You can impart that information now anonymously. <laughs> So you can and make you can make that, that like there's a moral judgment to be made here. Do you take yeah. do you take this to your grave with you whenever you die, or do you come clean now anonymously on eighteen hundred twenty five zero zero twenty five? It's as simple as it's as simple as that, lad. It's, it's it's as simple as that. And if I could just tell your listeners that a couple of years ago, Barbara's eldest son died, and he died never knowing what happened to his mother. So we don't want that to happen again. We want the. the members of her family, her children, her siblings, to know. They, they want to know what happened to their mother and they're seeking information. And I think, as I said, this is the opportunity for people to come forward 
and share that information with us. And if they wish to do so anonymously, now they can. Can I just go to Crime Stoppers and that number then? When you say anonymous, you're, if they ring in with information, it's taken anonymously from them and there's absolutely no way they'll be contacted in any other way. Correct. Unless they wish to be identified, they will not have to give their name, their address, or phone number, they can simply just give the information. As you well know, usually uh, when you, you're contacting Garda Shihana, we follow it up with, you know, we follow any information up with a statement. It may or may not uh, require you to go to court uh, if in the event of um, that would happen. But this is completely different. All we're looking for here is the information. If you wish to remain anonymous, you can do so. All we would ask is that you pass on the information. No personal details, just the information. So if you know something about what happened that night, if you heard evidence or somebody said over a pint or over a conversation, God, that's terrible what happened. Uh, if you know that perhaps whatever, anything at all, are you, are you, of, the, are you of the strong opinion, Sergeant, that uh, Barbara is no longer with us? Uh, to be honest, we have liaised with uh, Interpol in respect to this investiga- investigation. We've been unable to find any information which would indicate that Barbara has left the jurisdiction. From our yeah. inquiries, we've established that she did not hold a passport. And we have no evidence, of course, cer- to say with any degree of certainty that she is deceased. But likewise, we have no evidence to suggest that she is living either. But this information will either prove it or not prove it, or indeed if she's alive, which would be a miracle of miracles. Um, that the family it can be reconciled. But one way or the other, the family need to be reconciled with the truth. Absolutely. That's what we're looking for now, is the truth. We're not looking That's for recriminations. We're not looking for big trials. We're not looking for anything. And the original team, I mean, I was trying to figure out who would have led that team uh, last evening. I was trying to think of it, uh, but we weren't on air at the time. Uh, but I mean, there were some eminent and very intelligent people on that case uh, that... Uh, just couldn't get to the bottom of it, unfortunately. So one eight hundred twenty five zero zero twenty five is That's the number. number. If you want to ring Salt Hill Garda Station confidentially as well, you can do so on one one five one four seven two zero. Or if you are listening to us and you know any member of Angarda Shiakana in a private matter, manner, or you know somebody who's in the Garda, and you want to confide in them and say, "Look, I'm giving you this information." Uh, and can you get it to the right people or else 1800 but somebody listening here today you might have lived in Karna at the time you could be living in Loch Ray right now you could be living in Gort you could be living in Timbuktu in Dubai listening to us this morning um, if you are and you know anything you can make contact with the Guardian Salt Hill 0915147200 and 1800 0025. Uh, Sergeant McDonagh, thanks for joining us. And I did, I was talking to a colleague of yours last night and said, if anybody can solve this crime with you, you've got energy. <laughs> no pressure, by the way. No pressure. Then. But they said thank you've you. got energy uh, abounding and you've put a huge amount of effort into this. So thank you for joining us. That's Sergeant Colin McDonagh joining us on the line there. The number, and I'll make you sick reading this number out. So I will 1800 25. That's 1800 25. 0025 0915147200 or confide in somebody that'll get the information to the Gardaí. You know, if you want to ring me and as long as you can tell me exactly the details, if you want to go to the parish priest, but do you know what? Just ring 1800 25. Let's do that fine act today and see can the Gardaí progress this. 
Now, a very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. The comment lines are open should you want to get through to us on 0917700077. Can I go to uh, Patricia Hines who joins me from Employment Services? Patricia, good morning to you. Very good morning to you, Keith. What have you got for us? Okay, first up this morning, Keith, we have a vacancy for an experienced retail assistant for a golf outlet here in Goy City. The ideal candidate should have experience in customer service, merchandising, and should have good organisational skills. And knowledge of golf certainly would be an advantage, but not necessarily essential. Also this morning, Keith, we have a number of positions for the hospitality sector looking to be filled in Galway by a number of trendy bars and hotel outlets. And the vacancies include positions for an assistant general manager, mixologist, chef de partie, food and beverage supervisors and accommodation assistants. Also in Galway City this morning, we have a role for a video editor in Final Cut Pro. Now, this is an entry-level position and requires the employee to be available to work full-time throughout the week in Galway. The role will also involve working closely with the production team to create an ongoing high standard of audiovisual projects. Now, applicants must have strong communication skills and must also be able to resolve technical issues when they arise. Also in Galway this morning, Keith, we have a vacancy for a lecturer below the bar in digital communication for an academic establishment here. Successful applicants should have a PhD in digital communications or a related field and also be actively engaged in research that creates new knowledge. Candidates with particular research interests in areas such as digital literacy, human rights, democracy, climate action, STEM and sustainability are actively encouraged to apply. Now, out in the Hedford uh, Road this morning, they are looking for a barista to join their team. They're looking for applications from experienced baristas. However, applicants who have not previously worked in this area are also welcome to apply. Now, the role will involve taking orders, making beverages and taking payments. And good customer service skills are certainly required. Also this morning, Keith, out in Barnaford Hotel out there, they are looking for a housekeeping manager. Uh, this particular person will be primarily be responsible for managing and developing a dedicated team and maintaining excellent housekeeping standards in the bedrooms and public areas. Applicants should have previous accommodation manager or, or housekeeping manager experience and have excellent people management and communication skills. Now, last up this morning, Keith, but certainly not least, we have many more vacancies if I had the time to get through them. We have a position for a physiotherapist out in Costello in County Galway for a well-established private clinic out there. They're looking for applications from a qualified physiotherapist. Now, applicants must be willing to work flexible clinic hours and cover house calls as well as visits to nursing homes. Now, as always, Keith, further details and indeed application for all our vacancies this morning, and we have many more available, can be accessed by logging on to www.jobsireland.ie. Or indeed, if you're a company or an employer out there and you're currently looking to recruit, or indeed you may have future vacancies, please do get in contact with us. We'd be delighted to support you there with your recruitment. Again, the details of the website are www.jobsireland.ie. 
All right, listen, well done, Patricia. Thank you to you for joining us, Patricia Hines uh, from Employment Services. Now I got the following letter, dear Keith. I want to reflect on coming out of COVID and as families have uh, pulled together to get through it. My uncle is 71 from the Tume area, County Galway, and from the beginning of COVID lockdown, tried to improve the intelligence of family members uh, by setting a daily quiz. These quizzes can be anything from famous statues, music, literature, famous places, geography, history and general knowledge. He's helped us rediscover our love for forgotten music and books and set new places to visit when lockdown is over. First, the quiz was just to uh, local family members, uh, but has grown to extended family around Ireland, Portugal, UK, Australia and Dubai, all eagerly waiting for the quiz every morning. Uh, the quiz has helped family to stay connected, helped with feelings of loneliness and down days. It has been more than just a quiz. I would love you to contact him and tell him how grateful we are for all of his efforts. The setting of the questions, the correcting of the answers and the odd few red cards when we challenge the decision. As you know, Keith, the man in question is an amazing man who loves sport and was involved with commentary on Galway BFM Sport Department and many for many years and Galway footballers. He has missed going to matches over the last few months. Thank you, Keith, very much for taking time to read my email. Not all heroes are um, make the big screen or have the red cape. They're family members that sees uh, you need support and guide you uh, through difficult times. And that's signed by Anne. And the person in question that she's talking about is her own Kevin Dwyer. And Kevin, frightfully intelligent person, I have to say, congratulations to you. So setting the quiz and uh, so all over the world, the, the extended Dwyer clan are um, taking part in the quiz on an ongoing basis. So Kevin, well done. I spoke to Kevin last night, just about another issue altogether. And uh, we had a chat last night. And little did I realise I'd be reading out a letter about the bold Kevin Dwyer uh, today as well. Uh, so um, well done, Kevin. Congratulations. Anne Clark, indeed, is the person who wrote us uh, the letter on that. So Kevin... I didn't realise, Kevin, by the way, you're 71. You don't look a day over 52. And um, congratulations. Well done to him there. Some of the comments uh, coming in today too, by the way. Keith, uh, what a harrowing story in relation to Barbara Walsh. I feel sorry for the family. And uh, Keith, there's an Airbnb in St Finbar's Terrace that is packed with young people every day and partying all night. A lot of elderly people live in the area and a few of us have had contact with the Gardaí and they say they will send someone out but they never do. Could you please, uh, this uh, caller said, uh, could you please uh, highlight this on your show if you don't mind. And uh, Keith, was that lady missing a week before she was reported missing? I don't understand why this is being brought up uh, so many years later. And other calls come in there. Oliver, though, joins me with the sport uh, today. Oliver, morning to you. Thanks, indeed, for joining us uh, today on the programme. Thanks, We're starting about hurling, so we are. Four yeah, changes so, to the Galway so, yeah, Under-20. We, we heard yesterday about the four changes to the Under-20s. Not that that's usually relevant, because it's four changes from 27 weeks ago, when they last played against Kilkenny in the Leinster semi-final. Okay. And there was a real threat that this would never be played. In fact, it, it looked almost certain that the minors in Under-20s were going to fall by the wayside for 2021. Thankfully, that isn't the case. So we have a couple of weekends to wrap up the Under-20 Championship from last year. There's only two matches to be played, and the first of those is tonight, and that's Galway-Dublin in the Leinster final, which is also an All-Ireland semi-final because Cork are waiting in the final. 11 of the 15 Galway players, Keith, would have played on one of the three minor teams that won the three All-Irelands in a row. Uh-huh. So, like, these lads are used so to winning. Talent They're in a it. top-notch, talented bunch. 
And they'd, But again, you can't make any predictions because this is the first day back in over six months for these lads in sort of competitive mm-hmm. action. No, they'd be tipping away for the last few weeks and training and playing challenge matches and whatnot, but it's it's not been simple. So for uh, Jeff Linsky and his team, I'm sure they'll be hoping that things work out this evening at half seven. Whoever does win surely will have a big advantage going in against Cork, given that they'd have that match tonight mm. behind them. Uh, so Connor Park, Tullamore is the place for it. Michal Dunhu, the Galway All-Ireland winning manager, he's on commentary with Niall Canavan for tonight's match. Uh, Sean Walsh also with the boys in the box. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. So the commentary starts at? What, uh, what, 20 about 25 past seven, yeah. We'll 25 be on here seven, just before yeah. the start of the big match at half. Interesting. Uh, yeah, Interesting. and then, of course, this is the calm before the storm because the following weekend then, which would be starting on Friday week, we just have a whole host of action. Like the goal with senior hurlers and footballers are both entering the championship. Uh, but on Friday night week, the minor hurlers will play their All-Ireland semi-final from last year. And that's against Limerick in Cusick Park Ennis at half past seven. So the 2020 championship is still there to be completed. Mm. And uh, well, we, we look forward to bringing you coverage of the minors as well. Uh, of course, that'll only be just done and the 2021 Championship will be straight in action as well. So it's all very confusing, but these are the 2020 Championships in Gaelic Games that we are wrapping up. Now, Monavay Boxing and good news. Good news for Adam Hessian, yeah. So he's going to be in action tomorrow in the final of the European Under-22 Championships. Uh, he's in the bantamweight division, guaranteed at least a silver medal. So perhaps that'll take some of the pressure off tomorrow uh, going into the decider. Uh, yesterday, his Polish semi-final opponent was forced to pull out due to a rib injury. So I'm sure all of Monave will be keeping a close yeah. eye on how Adam gets on. Uh, as I say, a very talented lad who's got plenty of national titles behind him, but a European crown under his belt, that's a, a, be something else, a, a big achievement. Now, soccer-wise... So last night, England won. Uh, yep. 1-0 against the Czech Republic. So they played three games. 1-0, 0-0, So they haven't conceded. They've been pretty solid... Not overly spectacular. Uh, Sterling on the mark again with the goal. And now they know that in the next round they're going to watch tonight to see what happens in the France, Germany, Portugal group because they're going to be playing one of those in the knockout stages. Scotland though, the tournament is over for them after they lost 3-1 to Croatia for whom Luka Modric produced one of the goals of the tournament. And the rest of the last 16 will be completed tonight in Group E as Spain need to win over Slovakia in Seville to be guaranteed progress. Sweden, they are into the last 16. And if they win over Poland, Mm. uh, they will top that group. So they're the matches at 5 o'clock. Sweden, Poland, Spain, Slovakia at 5. And then at 8 o'clock, it's Germany, Hungary in Munich and Portugal against France in Budapest. And still a few permutations there as regards who will be first or second between Germany, Portugal and France. But France are guaranteed a place in the last 16. Okay, I was uh, talking to a uh, lovely letter there about Kevin Dwyer. I'll give it to you in a moment. Uh, about what he did for his family during lockdown. But I was talking to Kevin last night and I think I woke him and I said to him, uh, sorry for waking you. No, no, he said, it's grand. He said, I'm just going playing football now. I said, playing football? And he said, yeah, I am. But he, he was watching it, not playing it. But he sat down and watched every game last night. He had three tellies on the goal last night. And that dedication. It though, is. Yeah, yeah I thought he was playing it himself. Can we, can I, before I go to soccer, or sorry, before I leave soccer and go to rugby, can I ask you about uh, Olympics and golf as well? Yeah, so Rory McIlroy and Shane Lowry are going to go mm. to the Olympics for Ireland, which is good news because remember, the two of them didn't go to Rio five years ago because of the Zika virus. That's right. So here we are now, five years on, with what COVID. I would consider to be far more serious coronavirus issues, but maybe they feel safe and things are, you know heading in the right direction as they're concerned. 
Um, but of course, it is a Ryder Cup year. Not that the Olympics will mean anything in that context, but um, I'm sure the fact that it's a 60-man field, it's easier to win than a major. Mm. Uh, the Olympics, it's, that's just a mathematical fact. Dustin Johnson isn't going. Mm-hmm. And he's one big name who isn't going to be there. Uh, Justin Rose won this last time around, and it's pretty lucrative because if you've got an Olympic gold medal, you can imagine in terms of the marketability mm. of that. Absolutely. It was worth the fortune to Rose. He got so mm. many deals um, after the Olympic gold medal. It was worth much more to him financially, believe it or not, than the US Open he won. So keep an eye out for Laurie and, and McElroy, see how they go in that um, in the Olympics. But it is, it's good to see that, that, that they will be there. Yeah. Rugby-wise, what are we up to? Uh, I suppose this weekend it's the Lions against Japan in a warm-up match before the Lions head to South Africa. Mm-hmm. And we're just glad that there's such a strong Irish involvement with uh, all seven lads involved in the matchday squad. Uh, Bundiaki linking up with Robbie Hinshaw, the old Connacht partnership, is brought to fruition there by Warren Gatland, who really has great time for Hinshaw. He's describing him as a world-class midfielder in most of the newspapers today. He's also been talking about Ty Byrne, who's from Munster, and being named uh, in the blind side. So he said he's going to be using him primarily as a back row for the Lions. But the thing about Lions tours is you do need to be versatile. And there's every chance that injuries will play a big part in how this yeah. goes. It's just brutally physical. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's one or two more players who get the call up, uh, yeah. even at this late stage, over even at the weekend against Japan. Don't be surprised if somebody gets a head injury. But that's the weekend. In terms of racing... There's an eight-race card at NACE this afternoon, Keith. The first goes to post there at 4.25. All right, Oliver, thank you for joining us. Uh, Sport on the RABO here on Galway FM. And again, we'll keep you fully updated and don't forget that commentary tonight, 25 past seven here. And if you want to get further details, do tune in 25 past seven tonight here on Galway FM. Let's head towards the 10 o'clock news and join Paul and the team there. Stay tuned for that and more to come on today's programme. Galway Bay FM Sports News with Western Motors Ballybrit. Book your test drive in the all-new, all-electric ID3. Western Motors Volkswagen Valley. Good morning to you. Welcome on into today's programme. The comment lines are open if you want to get through to us on 0917700375395. Now that number again, by the way, when we uh, are looking at that Barbara Walsh missing person uh, of uh, 36 years, the number, the confidential number that I'm asking you to call if you know anything about this, uh, Detective Sergeant Colin McDonagh and his team are heading this in uh, Salted Guard Station on 0915 and uh, 1800 25 25. That's 1800 25 25. Now, though, let me go. We'll a little bit of a fireside chat, but there's a bit of a distance between us because of the whole pandemic and COVID. But let me go to Bishop Brendan Kelly, who joins me on the line uh, today, and he joins me on line one. Bishop Brendan Kelly, good morning to you. Morning, Keith. Thanks for joining us uh, today. You've you've kind of celebrated a few anniversaries recently. So you have you had a you had a special birthday. Uh, you were a, you were a long time in the priesthood. You were ordained to the priesthood on the twentieth of June, nineteen seventy one, by Bishop Brown. I was, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's unimaginable now. I think uh, perhaps that's an experience everybody has when you when you come to celebrating a. a a jubilee, a fiftieth, fifty years, you know, a golden jubilee like that. Uh, it, it comes on you almost 
almost without without you knowing it. It's come so quickly. It seems to come so quickly anyway, you know. But I'm just grateful for for you know, for all the years. I mean, it's 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 a great it's a great gift to be still alive. You know, I, I was conscious, very conscious of one of my colleagues down in Cork who died just a week before the gate, you know, yeah. was ordained with me. And uh, you, you, you kind of, you're just, you're just grateful, I think, to be, to be alive and to be, to be active and, and to have your health more or less, I don't know, 75. <laughs> but to, but We've all had our blips. We have, and, and look at them, and we, and we will, but the blips is what they are. But I mean, as a 25-year-old um, going into the priesthood and celebrating 50 years, it's a great achievement, so it is. Well, it, it, it's, um, it, it was given. Um, I, I'm not, I don't know about the achievement part of it. I think, I think you know, as, as, as I've grown older, if anything has, has, has come across to me, you know, it, it it, it, it is the grace of God, the the, the gift of 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 life, mm. you know, day after day, all the different uh, appointments I've had. You know, the, the I've had quite a number of appointments, and and I, I was blessed. For example, I I was at some point um, I was stationed in the Diocese of Galway, and I was stationed in the Diocese of of uh, I think I might have said this to you before. I was stationed in in. Uh, the diocese of Kilmacduer, which is my own native place, yeah. I was I was I was seven glorious years down in down in the diocese of Kilfenora and Lister and Varna, and uh, then I I had my 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 four and a half years in in, in Spittles and Weltacht, and that just that was that was that kind of topped it all in this diocese before I got a shift, <laughs> but anyway for ten years up to a cadre and then. To be brought back here three and a half years ago, I mean, I, I couldn't get over the fact that, that that I was being asked to come back here to Galway at that at that point. In other words, that somehow I was being brought home, and um, because it remains home, even though I was very happy down in the country, and I was sure I'd be buried down there and would have been happy to have been. But um, anyway, but uh, but during that tenure of office, though. And Bishop Brendan Kelly, you served under four bishops: Bishop Brown, Bishop Casey, and Bishop McLaughlin, and Bishop Drennan. So you've had four bishops, and then you became a bishop. So it's it's lovely to add your name to the roll of honours there. Well, um, yeah, roll of honour. I don't know. Um, the the the. Um, I, I suppose becoming becoming a bishop is. Is a call to to a particular service in way in the church. You know, everyone. The most important quality that any priest can have is a is a sense of service, a really um, faith, of course, but but a sense of service because it's 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 the people that make the difference everywhere. Um, and uh, for me, people were everything. When I thought of joining priesthood years ago in St. Mary's College and coming up to the, the lead insert and all of that. It was the fact that I felt I wanted to work with people and to be amongst the people that I wasn't to be confined to an office or, or some kind of a, an internal job and to dig. I was not able, I wasn't coming from a, from a farming background or a, that kind of background. Mm. My parents were teachers and, and uh, I felt that I'd like to, to, I wanted to become either a teacher or, or a priest. They were, the, they were the two choices. I never thought of anything else really seriously. 
Um, and uh, thank God I, I, I achieved both. I mean, since the, the, I was teaching for 23, three great years, you mm. know, um, in Gort and in Colossiania. Can I ask you? Can I ask you? I mean, I'm sure you've had highs, and but I mean, when you when you see the likes of um, when you see the likes of Bishop Brown's name written down, or when you see the likes of uh, Cardinal Sean Brady and others, I mean, you have you have fifty years is is a is a long time, but you've worked with some wonderful people. You really have down through the years. Well. Um yeah, when when we talk about working with with wonderful people, Keith, um, there's absolutely no doubt about it. I certainly haven't met wonderful people um, um, over the years. I remember when when I went to the Diocese of Conway, the thing the thing that really impressed me from from the place I was in at that point as a bishop was my my. Uh, my uh, I was uh, my, my admiration and for for the priests of the diocese when I when I met them when I saw what they were doing from from the the, the vista of 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 being the bishop being in contact with the whole scene when I was here in Galway on all the years that I was a priest in Galway I was always preoccupied with my own little place to know it mm. was just either the college the school or it was the parish. I mean, the bishop didn't impinge really no. at all. I, I didn't find any bishop that impinged on my life at all. In in in, apart from the fact that they asked me to go to the different places and that you'd have to go to meetings an odd time, and uh, that that was all. And and but but your 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 focus would be would be on your own your own little place. Yeah. And uh, I I I worked and I worked with wonderful teachers, you know. And I think of. When I think I was a school principal, I mean, I had principal in Gart, you know, and the, the, the men, the men and, and, and the women, when we, there was no women teachers in the school when I started with, they, we, we had a few by the time, by the time I left, and uh, they were wonderful people, you know, I, I, I often think back, they were kind of friends for life, you know. And uh, um, the, 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 the uh, not to mention, of course, the students. I mean, it's a real privilege to be a teacher, real privilege to be dealing with young people. You know, I mean, they just give you such life and they give you such challenge and you learn so much from them. You know, that, yeah. I mean, that that's one of the great things about, about being a teacher. It's a two-way affair. The child... The child, um, was it Shakespeare said the child is father to the man? Well, I don't know what, what exactly he meant by it, I can't remember, but for me, what it meant was that you can learn so much from from young people and from children. Yeah. And uh, um, that, that was my experience of them anyway, you know. And and I missed them a lot when I, <laughs> in the years, subsequent years, you know, that, that kind of energy, that kind of openness, the kind of lack of prejudice, you know, that you would get in, in young people. They hadn't yet formed their, they hadn't formed their ideologies and all yeah. the rest of it. And, uh, it, you know, it was, they, they, they were just wonderful. So uh, the priesthood was, was a real gift. I, I, I mean, I look back and I've always said that I was a happy priest. I'm so glad I was a priest. I'm so happy that I said yes when I felt maybe that that was what I should do, and every year I think I could safely say that every year um, 
in some ways is better than the than anything that went previously. It certainly was more challenging than the previous year. I mean, I was thinking that all along, you know, in the course, I often say that years ago, that every year presented you with more kind of um, uh, challenges than the mm-hmm. previous year. And yes, when you look back on it, uh, you know, it, it, it was it was such a gift. And I think that's the great thing about a golden jubilee, yes, or, it is. you know, about reaching the age of 75, this wonderful age that I've reached. Um but, you, you look back, you know, it's such... It's a great, it's a, it's, it's a great achievement, but not alone that, but I mean, when you were uh, ordained uh, by Bishop Brown back in uh, 1971, um, there was a different... Um, the priest, oh, and the, the, the oath was different times, but the priest was revered at the time. But you've moved with the times. You, you, have, you have moved into modern day 2021 life um, very easily, so you have, but it was totally different then and the church has been on a journey, and you've gone on that journey with them as well. Well, well, that's true. I, you know, we we would never have, you know, you'd never have have, you could never have imagined the changes that have occurred, and not just in the church, but 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 the whole of life. You yeah. know, the, the fact that we're I'm talking to you now on a mobile phone, for example, and uh, you know what I'm carrying in this mobile phone, I have. A, I have a camera and I have God only knows what other facility on it, you know, and uh, uh, I can record and I can do everything. You know, it's an amazing thing. And I think of the big machines, the big tape recorders, when we bought a tape recorder, we thought of the great thing years ago, the first one, and you bought a radio <laughs> and it's a big thing, you know. Now you have yeah. them all in your pocket. All on the mobile phone so, with you, yeah. So that's the, that's the wonderful thing. And then, then we have local radio, for example, Keith, to know, and we have all these other stations. We just had Radio Ireland when I was, and thank God when we were kids, we Radio Luxembourg, which you could barely get in the west of Ireland. And <laughs> Standing up, listening to it, you know, putting yeah. your ear to the bell, <laughs> hoping uh, the signal would wait till the end of the next song. Yeah, that's uh, right, yes, and hoping you'd hear the latest hit. You know, and I think <laughs> so. Simple uh, times. Think of all those things. You know, it was wonderful. But the church has, the, you know, the, the church has been through the mill. I mean, that's that's the reality. We we thought, you know, we were we were everything was fixed and solid, but we discovered now that everything moves. You know that the change is, is it goes on forever. That life life is a pilgrimage, and and uh, that that it's a journey, and that the, that's what that's what um, that's very deep in the in the Bible. It's very deep in the, in, in our own theology yeah. um, over the years. That life is a pilgrimage and that anything can happen in the course of that pilgrimage, including the terror that maybe is this the end of it? Do you know, is it is it all coming to an end? Is it all collapsing? I mean I see this word all over the place in commentary nowadays about the church collapsing. And uh, um there's a sense in which it is but I remember when I was down in the country, you know, and we had, I think it was the, the Dominicans were celebrating 800 years. Um, and the, the, the um, Conway is a completely, um, a completely um, rural diocese, yeah. you know, and uh, a small diocese. But there are some wonderful ruins in the place, you know. Yeah. Um, old Dominican monastery in Urler, for example. And then there was the monastery in Strayed. 
and then there were the the remnants uh, of of um, of um, the old Irish monastic system. You know, so what you realise is when you look around, this is one we have lived through with one iteration or one you know, institution of the church, you know, that is, has developed in the way that we've experienced yeah. it. But that's going to fall. You talk about the bare ruined choirs and all of that. And th- that too, you know, is going to, we see already, it's happening already, you know, yeah. all these big buildings where the, the, that house religious communities and all of that, they're all gone. Yeah, and yeah. gradually, and churches closing, you know, and all that kind of thing. And, you know, it's only in the 60s we were building new churches here, for example, in Galway and all of that. But we haven't been building them in recent years. Yeah. And th- th- that's the change that has happened. It's becoming a smaller... A smaller uh, it's a smaller community. Teams. It is a small yes, plus, a I smaller mean, the, community. And the vocations have dropped off as well, uh, which that's is, right. you know... But again, like a lot of things, it'll go full circle. And you're dead right when you see some of those old monastic... And I saw them down around uh, Lochter and otherwise see what 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 where the church was and oh, I was, it looked uh, like the end of it it looked like the end of it several times you know but where was i in recently the course of history i was where was i recently at all i read about it oh i do know it's holy island uh, down near the uh, down near Lochter, down near Killaloo, uh, and uh, yes. on, on Holy Island there was a cathedral and two churches, oh, and and to be honest, it wasn't the size of the cathedral car park in Galway, but that's what they had on on that island at that time. So th- that's where the churches come from, and too, just in relation to, um, I've been here a few times before, by the way, uh, with Bishop McLaughlin and Bishop Drennan as well. When you turn seventy five under canon law, do you have to uh, submit your resignation? Yes, you do. It's it's very simple. The 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 the, the, um, the, the canon for canon four hundred and one in the, the, the canon law of the church says it very clearly. You know that when you've completed your seventy fifth year, you must submit your resignation to the Holy Father. It's very simple. And do you and have to um, do that now? Oh, it's done. Oh, done. <laughs> You're ahead of me. Oh, so it's done, it's done already. It's done. Of course it's done. I did it a month ago when I, I did it the day, <laughs> the very day that I was, uh, I had warned Nuncio many times before it, but uh, because, yes, uh, you know, the time has come, Keith, you know, it's, it's all my contemporaries. And uh, I think it's five members of my own family who are younger than me. They're all retired, do you know? So you deserve uh, to retire. Um, what? You deserve to retire, so if the five, <laughs> the five of them retired. So well, I think I do. And so uh, you see, like I said at the beginning, you know, you, 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 do, you do begin to slow down. There's no doubt, I mean, slow down an awful lot and keeping up with things and all of that kind of thing, you know? So, whereas I hope that I'll continue to, to minister in a, in a priestly fashion in some way, mm. uh, we definitely continue to, to, to say Mass and uh, and do whatever, you know, I can and, and be in touch with people and all that, but the responsibility, uh, For the, know, the, the, the book, the book stops and mm. um, it's a pretty wide brief, you know? And, and no, we can't, I, I mean, I'm looking I, forward to it. I do know that um, John Kirby, the former bishop indeed, um, handed in his resignation at 75, but it took a few years for them to accept it from there. So you you basically continue in the role until such time as you hear otherwise. 
That's right. Yeah, it's up to the. It's up to. It's up to Rome to um, decide when to move. Uh, they move now. They moved with with uh, the Archbishop of Dublin, Gerald Martin. They moved within a year. Yeah. And uh, I be hoping that they will do that. They've they've uh, they've done the same thing recently for the Bishop of Ferns down in Wexford. He he was a little over a year, but just about. Yeah. And uh, that he that he was. So I would expect you know within the next year, please God. Um, to be moving on, and uh, I'm looking very much looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, who's, who's going to who's going to take up the the, the uh, whatever it is. The, the, the mantle, the mantle is the mantle. The mantle. But if you the think mantle. if you think about it with me, just come on a journey with me for one minute only. If you think about it, going back and uh, to 1971. Indeed, when uh, Bishop Brown, I, I always thought, and I was only nine, by the way, uh, in 1971, but I always thought he was a cross man. He always looked, he had a cross face on him. But on the 20th of June, 1971, whether he did a cross face or not, you, um, you were ordained a priest. And you've, you've gone the whole journey, and now you're retiring as bishop. And what's your one yeah. wish is to say Mass and to go back into a parish again. So you're going to, you've gone full circle. Well... I'm not so sure. I don't know about going back into a parish. I'm not so sure well, about saying that. You'll continue with your vocation. Certainly to continue, to continue in some, some way to be available at least, maybe, yeah. if, if God gives me the health. And you've, gone full, you've gone full circle, though, yeah. if you think about it. Well, I've gone full circle, yeah. And I've been, as I say, you know, you know I, 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 I'm very grateful. I was only realised I came back to Galway. I, I, I had served all over the lives, like mm. I said to you, you know. And um, it, it was it was it was it was a great adventure. It was a great adventure. I I would recommend it highly <laughs> to anybody who really wants a fulfilling a fulfilling and challenge, but very challenging. I'd have to say that too at times, mm-hmm. um, because you're you're dealing with, with with people, you know, and people are wonderful. People are wonderful, but we're complex mm-hmm. too. Oops. And uh, um, you know, there's there's a big responsibility. So I I I am um, I'm grateful to God, grateful to my parents, grateful to all those who who whose whose faith inspired me. You know, and uh, who over the years I I think of the I think of Saint Mary's where I was at school. You know, I think yeah. of, I think of my own parents in the primary school, but I also think of 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 um, of Saint Mary's, the priests that were there at the time. You know. Um, and the teachers, they were, they were, they were absolutely. Well, they were inspiring. Some of them, there's no doubt about it. And uh, great friends, some of them became subsequently. You know, I remember Father Martin Cohen particularly. I know oh, gentleman. Martin has for several years. Yeah, he was in Murphy yeah. Parish when I was a child. So he was. He was, yeah, a lovely yeah. man, a lovely man. Listen, we won't say farewell, but thank you for joining us. But I mean, we we we'll we'll I know we'll journey a little bit longer, so we will. But we will, the, the, so you submitted then to the papal nuncio, and then does he send it on to the Holy Father? Or to the he Holy sends Father? it on to the yeah. That's the way. That's the way you do it. Yeah, you 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 never. I I wrote the letter and put the Pope's name on the envelope, and uh, uh, that was it. And um, um, closed the letter. I have to say, you know, I didn't. So he'll send it on to Rome. Well, listen. He's well done at this stage, I'd say. I hope you took a photocopy of it. Listen, thanks for joining us uh, today. (laughs) You're not going into retirement. We look forward to working with you into the future. Bishop Brendan Kelly joining us there uh, for a little fireside chat about life. And that's why I just kept his uh, decision to, well, he had no decision to make. He was 75. He doesn't look 75, mind you. I have to say that much. 
He doesn't act 75 either, after that much too. And a total gentleman. And uh, comment lines open if you want to get through to us on 091 77 and 53995. <laughs> Good morning to you. Keith, this caller said, what a strange uh, world this is and, and the way the country has gone. Uh, there were more bishops ordained in the past year than priests, so says Pat. Uh, Keith, why is Sean Canny ranting on about taxpayers' money to be spent on bog roads, etc., when we are waiting decades to have the treacherous stretch of road leading to the Belle Claire sports field addressed, which is in Canny's own backyard, which is far more serious uh, with the number of serious accidents on this treacherous stretch of road. I'm sure you know all about it, Keith. Uh, I do indeed. It's a man called Mr. Mannion, I think it is down there, that keeps me fully informed, I have to say, from there. Keith, the ring road is raising its head again. Well, I remember the big fanfare party or celebrations on the Keith Finnegan show quite a few years ago now, on the day that the long-awaited and expensive plan was submitted to the planning board. And all the promises that were made that day, Keith. So what do you have to say now? A reply would be appreciated. So says Mike. What, Mike, what do you want me to say? It was submitted. I had nothing to do with it. Uh, but I do think that for clarity... Uh, for the people involved, I do think that um, a decision which is eminent now should be expedited slightly from there. Another caller said, uh, Keith, the bishop was a former teacher of mine on the Gort Road and a fantastic teacher. He was a very popular person uh, with students and that comes from Alan O'Donoghue. Keith, I would like to uh, wish Brendan Kelly well, but the church is the architect of its own downfall, especially in my time. It was a monster. It is where it should be today. They should have practised uh, what they preached, uh, this caller said, uh, but I wish Bishop Kelly well. Now, though, let me move on today because I want to go to Councillor John Connolly who wrote me a very articulate letter in relation to drinking in public and uh, since he wrote that letter indeed, uh, things have moved on. Councillor Connolly, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Thanks for joining us uh, today. You were on the ball, by the way, because uh, you were talking about the licensing laws and Constance Cassidy, indeed, that eminent lawyer, and uh, you wrote to the Chief Executive on this as well. But um, the government have said through through, uh, Central Ali Crow, uh, the Minister of Justice has said she will change whatever legislation is necessary uh, to allow for this. Yeah, I find that interesting, I suppose, because Constance Cassidy has said that there's nothing illegal in consuming alcohol outside so long as the drink was purchased in a licensed premises or in the licensed premises uh, in which you're sitting outside of. So I find it interesting, but obviously there is some point of national law that needs to be amended to reflect this. And I suppose what was one of the issues when the story first broke last week, my colleague, Councillor Michael Crow, uh, in the Connor Tribune, it caused a lot of confusion because, and you know, people asked me, did the council not foresee this? And would the council not have known that this would arise? Uh, and, you know, it, it was a fair question to ask at that time. But I think as time has gone on, we've got some more clarity on it. And um, um, I suppose one of the things that caused confusion was that this whole area of law is covered by national law, but also covered by local bylaws. Uh, and I possibly felt earlier in the week that there was a conflict between the national law and the local bylaw. Uh, but when I looked at the bylaw, Keith, I have to say that I think the bylaw covers uh, what's happening at the moment. And I don't think there's any breach of the bylaw. Uh, by the vintners and the publicans and the restaurants serving alcohol outside their premises. Uh, and I do so because the bylaw itself contains a definition uh, for public place, uh, but clearly says that the public place does not include any tables or chairs outside a hotel, restaurant or public house on a public road, which are designated by the minister uh, under the 1963 Act as being suitable for licensing. So my, my sense of it is the council have decided these roads are suitable for licensing. The vintners and the restaurants have applied for the licence and have been granted 
a particular license for this scenario. It's a three-month license, temporary COVID license, and consequently there's no breach of the bylaw. Can I ask you just in in relation uh, to that? I mean, five weeks ago, uh, during lockdown, before the the lockdown was even lifted, before we could go outside the five uh, kilometer, uh, with your colleague, indeed, Councillor Alan Cheevers, who is uh, an expert indeed when it comes to licensing, and um, because he knows about it, uh, and he brought this to our attention, as did indeed Adrian Cummins, and as did Galway City Council, that it was an issue uh, five five and a half weeks ago. I'm being told in the headphones. So th- this was coming down the tracks, but. The government seemed to react fairly quickly. Certainly, uh, Ali Crow indeed, Senator Crow, got a statement uh, from Heather Humphreys, the acting Minister for Justice, Minister for Justice, not acting, uh, while Helen McEntee is out, uh, confirming that she will do whatever needs to be done. But are you saying to me now, nothing needs to be done? All we need to do is well, I certainly... read the law and interpret the law the way we, that we have. Well, my interpretation of the bylaw is that it doesn't prohibit this activity. Okay. Um, and, you know, counsel, uh, I, I would say there does seem to be some aspect of national law that has to be amended to ensure that everything is compliant. But again, that's at odds with what Constant Cassidy has said at the weekend. Um, but it may well be that there is a certain element of it that, that is grey uh, and that needs amending. And I am delighted, Keith, that, that Senator Crow has acted on this. Uh, and you know, it doesn't surprise me that he has because he is, um, it's an area that he himself has a lot of expertise in as well. Um, so I think that what we can see is that there's a clear preference among the industry, among the community, among society, that uh, we want to see this continue. Uh, and it's it's reasonably controlled. It's per- personally, for me, it's much more preferable than having thousands of people in the Spanish arch. Um, this is a much better environment. It's a safer environment. It's more controlled. And I do think that the people have embraced it. Mm. Can I ask you just in relation to, because and I put this question to people last week, because that, that iconic corner where Jean Octans is on Key Street, Cross Street there, uh, where people have been sitting out drinking coffee and tea and pints and glasses of wine and that for the last long, long, long number of years. Um, has, so in your interpretation, sorry, in the current interpretation of things, uh, that was illegal or is illegal according to some members of Angarda Shikona. Um, but in your interpretation of this, Councillor John Conley, you're saying that it wasn't illegal up to this and certainly is not illegal now then. No. no my sense of that, Keith, is that that premises was granted a licence by Galway City Council. Or, you know, I anticipate it has been granted a licence by Galway City Council. Uh, it's in an area the Council see, feel, see as designated or as uh, suitable for that the type of activity nice, yeah. the licence was granted. Um, so I think in terms of our bylaw, it was clearly compliant. And I think our bylaw also provides for the new spaces that we have provided, that they are also compliant with the bylaw. Mm. Uh, now, the national law, Constance, Constance Cassidy would have said is compliant with national law, uh, but it's, you know maybe the changes that have happened in recent week require some tweaking of the national law. But I would think that Keith, you're right, that that was always compliant with the law. Had to be, because, I mean, it was so iconic. Had I mean, be. it has to be the most iconic, yeah, just corner-like. That was one of the confusing things for me. I mean, you had the practice there, as you mentioned, at Noctis, but also if you had up High Street, a bunch of grapes, freenies, taps. You know, they've always enjoyed that facility in recent years. Um, and I don't think it's ever caused an issue. Um, no, I mean, the front uh, door, uh, if Sonny's comes out door, onto yeah. High Street there as well. So, I mean, it's, it's, it has been yeah, happening. And that's covered by our bylaw. Yeah, but you're, God, if you go back far enough, and to be honest, I haven't, if you go back to before I got married even yet a fella's gone into Murphy's there and coming out and leaning up against the window and having a cigarette and uh, or they'd be smoking inside then maybe um, but, and they'd be leaning up against the window and having a pint that wasn't illegal back then either no I don't well you know I, I, I'm not I, 
I'm no, not I mean, familiar common, what the law was. No, no, the common I, 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 no, it's yeah, 35 the, years you know, ago. The bylaw here is, is, is since 2015. Yeah. But it, my interpretation of a key is it clearly allows for vintners in, in suitable locations to put uh, chairs and tables outside their premises and to serve there. Okay. Um, and my interpretation is, again, the council have recently designated these roads as suitable. They've advertised that. They've said it would be for a period of three months. Um, so my sentiment and my interpretation is there's no breach of the bylaw. Uh, Constance Cassidy has said there's no breach of national law. But again, uh, given that the minister has commented in recent days that there may be some necessity to amend legislation, uh, there's obviously something that's astray, but I think it's going to be resolved. Uh, and I think that's what the people want. All right, uh, Councillor John Connolly, thank you for joining us today on the programme. Delighted to be joined by Michael Tully and he's the spokesperson for the Galway Skateboard Association and they've been at least liaising with Galway City Council uh, over the last um, period of time to upgrade Millennium Park, the ramps and all of that. Uh, but he joins me on uh, the line today and joins me on line one. Uh, Michael, good morning to you. Good morning, Pete. Thanks indeed for joining us uh, today on the uh, programme. I have to say I admire the skill of uh, the skateboarders that I see around town and in the college and indeed in Millennium Park as well. How long does it take you to get proficient on a skateboard? Oh, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be. I, I uh, got in contact with the guys. I've seen them around the square there down through the years and they didn't have any proper amenities. Yeah. So I offered to be a spokesperson for them to help them to get the Millennium Park up and running. They were saying how they needed concrete uh, ramps yeah. and they needed other stuff done. So I tied in with uh, Galway City Council and I acted as a spokesperson for them. And we're just going from strength to strength. Um, we have a great working relationship. We've got the concrete ramps in. Uh, they had a get-together there last Saturday. There was up in 250 people, I'd say, that turned up. And I, I, I was liaising with Galway City Council and they said they had to commend them on how professional they were about their get-together. The place was cleaner when they left it than when they got there. It, there's absolutely a huge interest in this sport and it's grown by the day. And do you know what? It's a healthy sport. I'm sure there's breakages and there's clips and all that type of stuff, but it's it's a healthy sport and it's a very articulate sport. Well, the times that we're in, Keith, with COVID, and, you know, you have to be you have to be cautious about social distance and if it's thing that you're not into playing football or playing soccer, we have to we have to open up sports for everyone in Galway. It's not a case of one size fits all. We need to we need to be more uh, open minded about what we're promoting, where we're putting money, and give the next generation an opportunity to be able to express themselves in the best possible way. You see, I I, I think some scared borders have been frowned upon and by by some people within society. Whereas what you've done is you've kind of brought them together now. And like when you say you had a couple of hundred people uh, together at the weekend and they left it better than when they found it, like that that's taking responsibility and showing and showing leadership and, and showing that they are responsible. It's a sense of ownership. They're part of it. Now, next week we're meeting with uh, the Parks Department and honest to God, they're going above and beyond. And the working relationship that we have, like I'm confident in saying in the not-too-distant future, we will have skateboard parks in Rinmore and in the Clada. That's that's how fast this is moving. Wow. 
And is it by building that relationship and complementing the parks division like that, or just working in a solid fashion with them? Well, it's it's about being rational and being reasonable, and not asking people to do stuff that's impossible. Working together, we'll do our part, and they're doing their part. As a result, look at where we're going. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And were you a skater, your skateboarder yourself ever, Michael? No, my daughter is, uh, she has a skateboard and she's trying to learn how to do it. And I'd like to, like there's a park down in Dwishka there and uh, we're in the process of having talks and getting that done up. And that's not too far from where I live. And you see, the thing about it is, with the amount of skateboards that's going to be going around town, we'll save things that you have kids in the school and there's a skateboard park close to that. If they're not interested in playing football or soccer, would it be not would it not be a possibility that a few of them could go up to the skateboard park for an hour? Yeah. They're 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 getting out, they're exercising, you know, you can do it as a group, you can do it as an individual. It's 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 just another option and I I commend Gold City Council on the work that they're doing here with us. Can can I just? I mean, you're to be commended yourself, Michael Tully, because you're not spa- you're not a skateboarder yourself. You saw them in operation uh, in Air Square, and they were going up and down and up and down and benches and otherwise. And to approach them was a brave thing to do. And then just to set up the association was an even braver thing to do. And then to go and and sit with Galway City Council. So, well, that's a real community spirit, though. So it is. Thank you very much, Keith. Really is. I mean, yeah, it's more people like you we need working with young people as well. Um, because they're very skilled. I mean, I, I would walk to colleges, I would walk uh, NUIG indeed at the weekend and over near the library there and over near the bank and near the, the church and that there. I mean, and to see the skill of them, you kind of hope that they wouldn't hurt themselves, but they've got they've got great control over the skateboard. Even on a week-to-week basis, you see more and more young people going around with skateboards, all different shapes and sizes. It's, it's really growing and it's... Uh, it's something that's going to get a lot bigger in the not too distant future. This is the first year now that it's in the Olympics, so it's a sport. It's been recognised as a sport. Yeah. Uh, Keith, this caller said, I love the skate parks and the young people are lovely, never cause trouble, but please, the top of our square is a no-go for me now. They don't realise how dangerous the fall or a trip, trip is for me and they honestly intimidate me in the square. I'm not anti-skateboarder at all, but the square is needed for us all. Go where it's not so public, please. Maybe that's something, uh, Michael, that you could just remind them of, maybe. No, uh, we're actually working on that. We're in the process of talking with Gobi City Council on that. And you see, the more these skateboard parks that we do up and build, the more options for everyone. So these kids have somewhere to go to practice their sport and it leaves the city open for everybody. Yeah. As far as I know, we're in talks about a designated area, especially for that in the city. So everyone would be safe and everyone can, you know, use the city freely. So you think then in the future, you think you can have a skateboard park or facility for skateboarding in Renmore and the Cladder then as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm 100% confident about that. What's needed to create a park? I, I take it insurance is one massive part of it, but then the infrastructure itself then, Michael, is it? 
well, it's the infrastructure, and we have people now in the Skateboard Association that would have been involved in building skateboard parks in America and Canada, and they're uh, tying in with the council and they're sharing their knowledge, and we're working together, and as a result, this is where we're going. Well, it's um, it's important uh, for the young people. It really is important. And uh, they, are they welcoming your your intervention? Yeah, yeah. Like there was, there was a few people, and they were sceptical at the start, and they were saying we won't get this done, and we won't get that done. But seeing is believing, and everyone's on board. Good. Somebody said they're not all very good at doing it. My workmate broke his ankle at the weekend. Poor devil. That's a that's a sore break. But I, I take it because they're. Such fast instruments. I mean, there will be minor accidents like that, Michael. Well, sure, it's the same with any sport, Keith, doesn't it? Really, it really is. Yeah, it is. And another caller said, "Keith, I love uh, sk- to see the skaters out and about, and uh, it's great to see them getting facilities for themselves." Keith, congratulations to Michael as a parent for stepping in and being there for his daughter, and indeed uh, getting it on the right footing. Pardon the pun, Keith. And uh, other calls coming in too in relation to uh, skateboarding as well. Do you know, Michael? Maybe you'll take to it yourself now, you see. You never know. I might get yourself and myself to I'd say I would be on my rear end within one second um, of uh, getting on top of it. I really and truly couldn't see myself doing it from, from there. Michael, well done to you. Uh, keep up Thank the good work. Much, and thanks indeed for joining us uh, today. Michael Tully, who is spokesperson for the Goldust Skateboard Association, and again, they'll be working with Caller City Council and well done to, to them for what they've achieved so far today. Keith, this caller said uh, to the uh, programme time after getting a scam call, parcel to be delivered, and uh, said it was a girl that she had wanted the house code and I told them to F off. Don't believe anything that comes in like that. If you get a call like that, please don't believe anything at all that comes in like that. At all, at all, please, uh, today. Another caller said over on the uh, telephone lines uh, coming in uh, today, this uh, caller said, uh, we nearly getting killed on Shop Street with skateboards. Three went down by Shop Street yesterday and if anyone put one foot out of line, they would have been killed. It's unreal. They need to be fined as well. They go in and out between you and it really upsets me, this caller said. Another caller said here to the uh, programme today, uh, Keith, a lovely interview with Bishop Brendan Kelly. I have fond memories of being a student uh, of his in Our Lady's uh, College. Uh, will always remember him coming to visit me in hospital. And at the time when I had my appendix out, such a kind act and typical of uh, Brendan Kelly. Uh, so this is on to the programme today. Keith, congratulations uh, to Brendan Kelly uh, on his retirement. Uh, when the Pope accepts it from there, we wish him all the best. It's more people like him that can change the Catholic Church. And uh, Keith, sad to hear that Bishop Brendan Kelly is going after just a couple of years. I think it's three years Did he came in in 2018. I think he came in uh, there, thereabouts. Uh, but uh, Keith, sad to hear of him going uh, in just a few years. Uh, but he does deserve to go into retirement, somebody else said. If five of his family members younger than him are gone into retirement, why wouldn't he? He's dead right to. But we look forward to hearing his masses in the future. All positive stuff coming in today. Uh, comment lines open, though, if you want to get through to us on 091-770-077. Somebody else is uh, wondering about, if you want to ring in relation to that piece uh, about Barbara Walsh, the missing lady of um, 30... Six years, it is at this stage. 
The 1800 number is 1800 That's the confidential guard the line there. If you want to get in contact with him, you can do so. That's 1800 And that's all uh, confidential and nobody can track it. But if you want to talk to Salt Hill Guard the station today, you can do so on 091 514720. That's 091 514720. Now then, let's head towards the Galway BFM news desk. We're back in the next hour. Full hour for you. Stay tuned for that and much more to come on today's programme. A very good morning to you. Uh, we're back just after the news and death notices. <laughs> Galway Bay FM. Get access to urgent care within an hour of arrival at the Leia Health and Wellbeing Clinic Galway. Avoid long waiting times with walk-in consultations for minor injuries like sprains, fractures and minor burns. Now, very good morning to you. On this time yesterday, we were talking indeed about uh, the Western Rail Corridor and West on Track and all of that. And we referred uh, to a report which was put together by Professor Bradley. And he joins me on the line because he's the author of this uh, report that we discussed uh, yesterday. And uh, Dr. John Bradley joins me on the line indeed uh, today. Dr. Bradley is online too. Dr. Bradley, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I may have stressed that I had a team of assistants. I didn't write all this report myself. We had a team of experts. Okay. Just, just I want to come back to the, the report which you've done. And uh, you're looking at um, the report indeed. For, and we're looking at the opening up of the railway line. We discussed this yesterday. Some are for and some are against. Your professional opinion on this, uh, Dr. Bradley? Well, I listened to the podcast of uh, Deputy Cannon uh, yesterday, and of course, Deputy Cannon was very negative about it, and he was very much in favour of the Greenway. But I think it's important on a debate in debating an issue of importance, like this major rail infrastructure, base it on facts, not opinions, and that's what we've tried to do. So we carried out a very exhaustive cost-benefit analysis, quantified the costs, quantified the benefits, and came up with a result that said there was a very strong business case for reopening this line. In uh, And it could be done quickly. It could, it's almost a shovel-ready project because much of the infrastructure is ready and waiting. So you're saying the lines are in place and it's only a matter of uh, maintaining them and getting carriages moving on them. Uh, a bit more than that. Okay, uh, the lines simplify. are very neglected and they yeah. have to be relayed. And we've had a good example of that in the reopening of the Ennis Athen Ryling, which is now proving so successful. And indeed, uh, Deputy Cannon praised it and asked for it to be extended. And I'd agree totally with him on that. Um, to meet modern standards, the track has to be relayed and modern uh, communication infrastructure put along it. Uh, but our costs are based on updating the cost of the NSF and Rye link. And we came in at more than, a, more than half the cost in the official government report produced by Ernst & Young, which really shocked us. Um, there, there didn't seem to be any explanation for the high capital cost loading in the government report. It didn't make any sense to us. But can, can you understand... Um the confusion in it, whereas on one side a report comes that the government have commissioned that they sat on for a long time, indeed then released, and the capital cost uh, shocked a lot of people. On the other side, you and your team, your extensive team that you've referred to, have come up with a different report. And as I said to Kieran Cannon yesterday, and I said to um, others this morning, 
I mean, the two can run alongside each other. So you can have the railway line on one side and you can have the greenway right beside it. But it's time to draw a line in the sand and report and make a decision once and for all uh, because it's tic-tacking back and forth for too long. I absolutely agree, you, but I wouldn't call it tic-tacking. I'd call it dragging their feet. Um, originally, um, um, the, it was intended to reopen all four phases of the Western Rail Corridor, and that would have given a rail link all the way from Ross Lair up to Sligo. But uh, the government of the day just proceeded with phase one, which was and a Sathenrai Galway, and that's very, very successful. Now, our report is on phase two and three, which is Athenry, Tune, Tune, Fermoris. Uh, but of course, that opens up access to the whole of Mayo right up to Ballina. Yeah. Uh, because you can go from Athenry, Clermoris, Manola Junction, Ballina, and the North Mayo towns are particularly isolated. The North Mayo towns like Ballina and Foxford have been growing very slowly compared to the South and Centre Mayo towns and the Galway towns. And this rail link would be a lifesaver for them and would feed into the government's stated policy of encouraging more balanced development on the island of Ireland. You just have to look at the infrastructure layout for the northwest region from Donegal down to Galway and realise how poorly um, endowed it is with transport infrastructure. Well, I mean, your report finds that the railway link uh, could be restored for a capital cost of £154 million, less than half yep. of what the Ernest & Young reported in January. Now, we're only talking about last January. Whereas, if you look at that £154 million, I'm sorry, I'm not being smart about this, but it's only a drop in the ocean as to... Um, the cost of providing road infrastructure. What would you get for 154 million when it comes to road infrastructure? But get a few, di- few kilometres. Few kilo- that's it. That's, that's all it. you'd get. Yeah, but this is where somebody in government, be it Eamon Ryan or be it the Taoiseach or be it the Taunish or whoever's in the country of the day, they, na- they now need to make a decision. Either let's do it. And I mean, there's regrets because the Clifton line was taken away all those years ago. And if it was there now, uh, the Galway Clifton line, look at the infrastructure that you'd have into the heart of Connemara. But look, that's gone. This is not gone. It's still in the yeah. ground. Needs and to be upgraded. of course, the Westport Ackle Island line is now a, a widely successful greenway. greenway yeah. uh, some of those lines were never uh, commercially viable, even from the time they were built. But the um, Athenry-Clermorris link isn't just a link facilitating people travelling from Athenry to Clermorris. It actually opens up a missing network link on the whole Atlantic coast. And I, I agree with you. Uh, our government is paralysed with uh, kicking to touch with reports and the latest effort is to have an all-Ireland review of railway transport. Sure, we badly need to uh, invest more in our rail infrastructure. Europe is straight ahead of us. Uh, we're way behind them and there are potentially huge green benefits, climate change benefits from switching heavy road transport and congested car transport onto the railway and reorganising the bus system to be a link to railway stations. I I don't know why they're not doing it. it. It's it's Paralysis. I, I don't know. I, I mean, they, you find people in the West blame Dublin 4, but I, I'm not party to that blame game. I, 
I just don't think people are looking at regional development in the correct perspective. Dublin perhaps sees this as a little commuter line between mm. Athenry and Clermoris. It's not. It's it's a major strategic link to link, say, the freight depot in Ballina all the way down to Waterford Port and Foynes Port when it reopens, a rail link reopens, and would take the traffic off the 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 west east link. I, I don't know if you've travelled by rail from Dublin to Galway or Westport. You often have to pull in and wait fifteen minutes while a huge goods train passes. Now the reason that goods train laden with say wood products is heading to Waterford, and the reason why you're waiting there for twenty minutes is that even the Dublin Galway line has many li- many segments of it that are single track. Now, if that commercial traffic could be diverted down the uh, Atlantic Rail Corridor, it would improve everything. But, I mean, you you mentioned there, um, Dr. Bradley, on this one, you mentioned commercial viability of lines that haven't been commercially viable. But public transport is not about being commercially viable. Public transport is about giving the infrastructure to people to use when and if they need it. Yes, and um, what you find in Europe is that governments take a much more proactive attitude to subsidising public transport. Um, They recognise that um, uh, these systems need grants to get them going. Now, for example, in our report, we show that the cost of freight transport on the Irish rail system is the highest in Europe, the highest in Europe. Um, And if, if there was a more strategic view taken to what the transport infrastructure for Ireland in 2040 or 2050 needs to be, we'd be looking at railways. Mm. Um, Ireland is failing to meet its climate change targets. Uh, Here's an example. There are big environmental benefits from switching the congestion out of Galway and Limerick and Cork and Dublin. When I'm down in in the west of Ireland, I sometimes listen to the AA road traffic report and it would make your blood curdle when you realise morning and night how difficult it is to get into the five biggest cities in Ireland by car. Uh, don't 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 start me on that. I left here yesterday. Did a quick stop near the Menlo Park Hotel over here, uh, which I'm looking over at. I went from there to a pharmacy in Cook's Corner, which is near the hospital, and I went from there home. And it took me an hour and seven minutes for the whole journey. Well, I travelled from Dublin once crossing uh, Galway to go to um, Sailmaker in Galway Port. And I thought I was being smart hitting Galway at eight minutes past, uh, sorry, ten minutes past eight. It was quarter to ten by the time I arrived at the port. Stay with me if you don't mind. I want to go to uh, Deputy Sean Kenny, who's been uh, speaking with me overnight on this as well. Uh, Deputy Kenny, good morning to you. You agree with everything that Dr. Bradley is saying this morning there? Well, I absolutely do. And I welcome uh, the fact that, and I want to congratulate uh, Professor Bradley uh, and his team, uh, because the the, the appraisal which has been done uh, is done in a quantitative uh, way so that uh, we have uh, everything set out in, 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 in a way which includes capital costs, the rationale for it, the, the cost benefit. Uh, um, there's a part about uh, the rail freight 
And then you have, uh, in the appendix, you have, uh, for instance, a socioeconomic profile of Chum Town. So the benefits here are, are right across the region. And I think it's important that we, 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 I'm delighted to see this report coming out for, for one reason. Okay. The EY report was not, was not, there was lots of questions in it which we couldn't find answers for. If there's any question about this report, it's in the report. But anyway, I, I can I, can I just ask you the question I asked you this morning? Yeah. Uh, when we spoke yeah. about this earlier this morning. Who and who can draw a line in the sand here and say, I'm taking Dr. Bradley's report, Professor Bradley's report, I'm taking the EY report, and why is there such a difference in it? And secondly, can we just make one decision now? Will somebody, man up or woman up or person up here, make a decision and say, we're either going to have rail infrastructure going into rural Ireland or we're not? Uh, And I agree with you. And I think it has come to a stage where uh, the Minister for Transport and the Taoiseach and the government now have the necessary correct and uh, validated information to make the correct decision. And I also want to say that nobody, nobody should uh, in, the, in the regions should be trying to uh, run down this report. This is good for regional Ireland. This is what we need. We need to have the backup of... But then the uh, government needs to put their money where their mouth is. They need to put the infrastructure in place. Hang on a second. It's small small money in comparison to what we're looking at. But I mean, if it's a thing that they're going to do, let them put their money where their mouth is. Let them put the infrastructure in, not for Professor Bradley or Keith Finnegan or Sean Kenny, but for the next generation. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly with you. And I would also say because there are people who, who um, would be criticising uh, uh, the, the fact that people would be trying to put, get the Western Rail Corridor going because uh, they, w- they would like to see a greenway on the line. And I would say to these people, look, for God's sake, let's all work together. Let's get our greenways and let's get our railway. And we, are, we shouldn't be um, dividing and conquering because we are becoming what I would call easy prey for the decision makers, which they don't know what they want down there. Some of them don't want the rail and some of them don't want the greenway. We have got to stop that or got to unify ourselves behind the fact that we need infrastructure, whether it's broadband, whether it's uh, road infrastructure, whether it's rail infrastructure or whether it's greenway. And if we work together on it, we will get it. But where we have division, we will end up with nothing. And I think it is high time. I agree it's high time for the government. Uh, at this stage, they have all of the ammunition they need. They have all of the analysis they need. And I think what what they need to do now is the Minister uh, for Transport has got this appraisal, the Taoiseach has it, um, the Taunashta has it, the entire government have it. And I don't know, uh, I've spoken to people in all political parties right across the Western region, and I don't know of anybody who's against putting in this uh, necessary infrastructure for the benefit of the West of Ireland and for the greater good for the, for the next, not just next generation, but if you put in the, this railway, as uh, John uh, Bradley has set out there, it will be there for hundreds of years, a great legacy for everybody, for future generations, not just for the next generation. And I think it's high time that we, we okay. as you say, put a line on the sand and let's get on with it. Um, Professor Bradley, finally... Imagine we can... Uh, uh, Keith, sorry, just one on, last yeah. thing. Imagine if a decision was made on this in uh, the National Development Plan to go ahead with it, we would have this infrastructure up and running in use by 2025. If you, if, if you look at what we're doing with the Galway City Outer Bypass, major infrastructure, which is going to be, which is going to take maybe 10, 15 years to deliver at best. And here we have a piece of infrastructure which would set the tone for the development of the West of Ireland, can be delivered and up and running, functional, by 2025. 
it's a potential that we should not walk away from or turn our backs on. All right. Um, Professor Bradley, where to from now, can I ask you? Well, it's over to the government policymakers. I guess the ultimate decision will be taken in the Department of Finance and the Department of Public Expenditure, where even though this might be a very meritorious project, it has to get in the queue. We have hospitals to build, we have houses to reconstruct and are falling down. Um, So I hope they see this as so beneficial to the Western region that they will uh, push it up towards the top of their agenda and will uh, initiate it. Because as you said, the amount of money involved is not trivial, but it's relatively small and the benefits are potentially huge. Absolutely. Professor John Bradley, thank you for joining us uh, today. And uh, we have a copy of that report, which we'll put on our website, uh, kindly given to us uh, by Dr. Bradley, by the way. Uh, We have a copy of that report. We'll put it on our website just after 12 o'clock if you want to get further details uh, on it. Quick commercial break. We're back just after these. It's 11.32 on this Wednesday morning. We're with you right through until 12 midday. Stay tuned for that and more to come. Now, this caller said after going through the last 18 months, I think the only option is a greenway. Uh, The train is a waste of money, Keith. Another caller said, Keith, I live in Barry Keneally. Why are there no summer buses out this side, this caller said. Uh, Can you ask Sean who commissioned Professor Bradley's report? Uh, Keith, would you please find out what's the story with the council and virgin grass gone out of all control, this caller said today. And it's uh, strange this country is, this key to where the Catholic Church has gone from there. Anyway, let me go to the telephone lines at uh, this stage because applications for the Druids uh, 2021 Marine Mullen bursary uh, is available uh, to you. Let me go to Emily Baxter, who joins me on the line, and Sarah Foran. Uh, ladies, morning to both of you. Thank you for joining us uh, today on the programme. Emily, first off uh, to you, you found a lifeline in the last year. Yeah, oh my God. Um, the Marie Mullen bursary has just been an invaluable thing to receive um, just based on the year that the arts have had in general. It's just been an incredible opportunity and I can't thank Drew enough for just giving me the support financially and creatively just to continue making work. I'm just so grateful. And so did you work right through the pandemic then, did you? Yeah, I was very fortunate just as a freelance director, just to kind of keep work going, whether that was making stuff for online content or film. And with the Marie Mullen bursary, Druid was able to like give me the support to make work online with the Druid debut, but also to actually be in a theatre and rehearse the show, um, assistant directing on Once Upon a Bridge by Sonia Kelly. So to kind of be able to feel secure in my work and know that I did have projects coming up with Druid was a really as well like for like my emotional well-being and mental well-being as an artist it was just so I was so grateful to have that mm. and um, Sarah should be joining me on the line well, Sarah morning to you as well so Emily well, I have the whole lot of you mixed up here so I have um, but um, <laughs> well, well done to you as well because it's um, it's a great it's, it's a great event so it is and just looking down through it on what you've achieved it's great for you Yeah, it really is. I mean, mean, it's exactly what Emily said. I mean, to have a company like Druid that had your back during the last 
last year has been fantastic. I mean, as a freelancer at any time, it's lovely to have a company that you can go to uh, to check in with and get support from or ask advice from. But in particular in the last year, um, it, 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 it was a lifeline, as Emily said. Um, and also to have the reminder that um, the work will continue and the work will happen again because we were very fortunate, but, you know, so many of our colleagues didn't have these opportunities. And I know talking to peers and even with myself, it, it was hard to keep your motivation and hope going and and really, you know, having the opportunities to do the work that we've got to do with Druid over the past year um, it gave me a lot of hope and, and renewed kind of my faith to keep going down this, like, crazy path in theatre. But... I- Obviously, I mean this. This again, we're looking for um, we're looking for people to apply for the uh, Joe Twenty Twenty One Marie uh, Mullen Bursary. So you'd be encouraging any any indeed um, directors or those involved in the theatre to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, it's, go ahead, Emily. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say as well. Um, you know, it's out there for female designers and female dramaturgs as well, and. I think um, there is such a wealth of talent in this country and I would, as well as I'm sure Sarah would as well, just would encourage anyone who's even considering it to like, please apply. Um, I think one thing that Sarah said that really struck with me as well is as a freelancer, to know that you have a company like, you know, looking after you in a way, like someone that has your back, that's so important. And just, I think like, if anyone's considering it, just please apply and just please go for it. Um, Because, the security that you have within being a part of Druid's work for a year is so empowering and um, really reassuring. So, yes, for directors, um, designers and dramaturgs, definitely go for it. And where is the best place for them to go, guys, for this one? I think if they just go to the Druid website, they'll have all the information um, there. And um, the application is very straightforward as well. I know everyone's a bit fatigued from filling out application after after application but this one is a is a good artist friendly um one so yeah uh, directors dramaturgs um and uh, designers absolutely get in and apply guys well done to you we look forward to seeing your work again in the near future with uh, sarah and emily sarah baxter and emily for and thank you for joining us uh, today on uh, the program for the details can be had from the druid uh, website if you want to get further details go just go to the druid uh, website again just going back to our story that we went with the 20 past nine this morning and we're just really hammering home the numbers it's to do indeed with the uh, missing Barbara Walsh indeed of 36 years and again no leads as of yet and um, she went missing in 1985 and she would be coming up to her 70th birthday around now if you have any details on it if you know anything a whisper Anything, conversation or otherwise, now is the time that you can get in contact with the confidential line with Angarda Shikona on 1800 25 That's 1800 25 25 from there. And if you get in contact with them, you um, can just give them details of what you know or may have heard about what happened. All you have to do is uh, ring that number 1800 And you can also ring... And the Garda station in Salt Hill on 091-514-720. That's 091-514-720. And you can ring in confidence, in confidence today, 
you can ring so you can from there and do so straight away if you don't mind and doing do it straight away if you know anything at all as I said to you earlier on now is the time if you have any information at all to pick up the phone ring that number those numbers that I've just given you there and uh, give the Walsh family in Karna the uh, peace of mind that they deserve after 36 years really and truly now the staggering article I have to say about Conor Pope and I say a lot of it in today's uh, Irish Times Amazon apologised for the errors affecting uh, Irish customers and again never fails to uh, amaze me Conor how you come up with all of these details but uh, Amazon has apologised to customers in the Republic of Ireland They have yeah actually some of your listeners may be familiar with Amazon Prime and Prime Day they've been advertising it quite heavily in recent days Mm-hmm. And if you're not familiar with Amazon Prime Day, it's basically like Cyber Monday or Black Friday, except in the summer months. And it's only available to Amazon Prime subscribers. And Amazon Prime is effectively like a club that you, jo- you, that you join to get special benefits and incentives when it comes to shopping on Amazon. So, for instance, you might get expedited delivery or you might get free delivery. And also people who have Amazon Prime get access to the Amazon Prime streaming television service, which is kind of like Netflix or Apple TV or whatever it might be. Yeah. But they've been advertising this Amazon Prime Day for, for weeks and weeks, and they've been promising discounts of up to 50% on, around, on millions of products across its lines. And Amazon Prime Day takes place in the, in the U.S., and in the UK, and in Germany, and in Spain, and in France. And they all have their own different websites. But for Irish customers, Irish customers are aligned to the Amazon.co.uk site. Um, So because we don't have an Amazon.ie in this country. Uh, But it emerged on Monday that despite all the promises and despite all the advertising, that a lot of people from Ireland who were shopping as Amazon Prime customers on the Amazon.co.uk site were paying VAT, from the UK, and then they were also being asked to pay VAT from the Republic of Ireland. Um, So they were paying this double tax on the products they were buying, which cancelled out the savings that they were making as part of the sale. So people were trying to buy, let's say, a pair of uh, noise-cancelling headphones from Samsung, and they might cost €80, and that might have been the discounted price, which Amazon said was a discount of nearly 50%. But when you took into account the double taxes, the price climbed to 120 euros. And there was a whole raft of other products that people were trying to buy that were hit with this double tax. And it's probably as a result of Brexit, to be honest, Mm. because before Brexit, when you shopped on Amazon, you paid the British taxes, and because Britain was within the EU, that was grand, and it was all done and dusted, and there was no issues. But now that Britain is outside of the European Union, it's what's known as a third country, so that means in tax terms it's treated exactly like the US is or China is or Australia is and anything you buy in those countries you have to pay Irish tax on them and a lot of your listeners will have experienced that when they've been buying products from outside of the EU in the last few months that the delivery man will come to the door and say well there's going to be an extra 6 euros or 10 euros or 50 euros in taxes so that's why it was happening but it meant that all of these Irish customers who were hoping to get the bargains were in fact paying more than they might have on a normal day uh, and it came to light, to be honest, because readers of the Irish Times started contacting me. And I always get a sense that a story is significant based on the volume of complaints. I'm sure you're exactly the same, yeah. Pete. But you, you know when you, get, when you start getting a lot of calls about a particular issue, yeah. you know it's not just an isolated thing. It, 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 it's a more widespread problem. So Amazon you know, held their hands up, said, yeah, there was a glitch in their system. And as a result of that, Irish people were having to pay more 
on these two special discount sale days than they should have. And they're now working towards resolving the problem and returning the money to people. But that's all well and good if you bought the product. Because you bought the product, you pay the higher price, and within the next 10 days, Amazon will give you back the tax that you shouldn't have paid, that the tax that was wrongly applied. But there's a lot of people who would have been looking to save a few bob, um, and they won't be, you know, they, they would have cancelled their purchase because the price jumped. Uh, so that would be a problem for them. It, I mean, when you're looking at it, I'm just looking at your article uh, today. An Echo Bud had a listed price of £49.99. Um, pence. Uh, it jumped to £72.99 at the point of payment. And a ring alarm uh, with the list price of 149 cost 202 pounds. I mean, that's that's significant uh, increase. So it is, and those that lost out on that Amazon Prime Day as well. Uh, it's, yeah, uh, that's true. It's, now, it's, the one thing I'd say, Keith, the one thing I'd say, and I'm not against Amazon, I'm not against any retailer, but you know, one of the things that we've talked about on your show in the past is that when we're shopping in in the 21st century, it's not a consequence free enterprise. And by that I mean if you're shopping on Amazon.co.uk or Amazon.com or ASOS or H&M or Zara or whatever it might be, you're shopping on companies, big multinational companies that are based outside of this jurisdiction. And as a result, there's very little uplift in terms of economic benefit for Irish people. So, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about, I know you've been talking uh, talking about on your show, is the real importance of shopping locally. And, you know, so it's not like I'm saying everyone should rush to Amazon to make these great savings because I think it is important that we think about where we're spending our money. And as I say, when you shop on the big multinationals, the money is effectively hoovered out of the Irish economy. Whereas when you shop with the local business in Galway or in Dublin or in Cork or Kerry or wherever it might be, that money stays in the local economy. And there's this thing that we've talked about before, which is the multiplier effect, whereby for every 10 euros that you spend in your local economy, it's worth maybe 30 or 40 euros in the broader economy because the person who you spent the money with spends that tenor with somebody else in the local area who spends with somebody else in the local area. And that's maybe how we should be looking. So yeah, people missed out on savings and that was, a, that was an unfortunate thing. But it's not like we should be saying, okay, well, we're going to rely on Amazon for the future. Because one of the things that might happen, Keith, in, 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 in the months ahead, and you know we've reported on this in the Irish Times, is that and this would solve the problem that we're talking about now in terms of the taxes and the double taxation, is that Amazon will be looking to open what's known as a fulfillment centre in the Republic of Ireland. And that's great on one level because it means that we'll be able to get faster delivery of products that we buy on Amazon.ie, which it would be known as, and we'd be able to get products that don't have the taxes and charges that we pay when we shop on Amazon.co.uk. But that's not a consequence-free enterprise, as I say, because... You know, the money that we spend on Amazon is money that we're not spending um, in Ryan's on yeah. Shop Street or whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a bad week, so it has, for Amazon when you see some of the stuff that they were caught uh, dumping, indeed, uh, out of their warehouses. Uh, and then that comes on the oh, back geez, of... that no, was shocking. That shocking. Was shocking. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's vulgar, to be honest, but then you look at the film Nomadland and you see that from there. Uh, and yeah. you just see what's going on. And I, I spoke to somebody who's in the recycling business uh, and it, just a glib remark by the man in question who uh, runs a fairly major recycling plant. He said that Amazon are sending more to landfill currently than regular customers uh, because everything comes yeah. so well packaged. Uh, so I, may, maybe there'll be, I'm not I'm wishing a change because I mean their fulfillment centre will be good for employment. 
uh, as long as I've got camper vans with them, maybe. Uh, but it's, it's 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 just it's a chicken and egg situation and strange. And I came across a lovely story. You mentioned Ryan, sir, but I came across a lovely story recently where somebody uh, wasn't feeling the very the very best and they needed a suit for their husband, and uh, the wife went into Anthony Ryan's to get a suit. Uh, but they couldn't make her mind up. So Anthony Ryan's, the staff in there, gave her four suits. I didn't know the lady from Adam. <laughs> gave her four suits and said, bring them out, try them on for the wedding and bring back what you're not using and we'll figure it out from there. And she actually said to me, I, I can't get over, she said, the fact that they didn't yeah. know me from Adam. They handed me four suits at about 250 euro pop. That's a grand bunch of suits. Uh, but that's that's what you get by shopping local. That's exactly, that's absolutely right. And, uh, you know, when I was... When I heard that story about the, the, the dumping of the, of the perfectly good product, some of that was still in its original wrapping, part of me was thinking, I'd love to live next to that recycling centre. And I, <laughs> I thought the same thing. Imagine I'd rock up and say, I'll have that MacBook and I'll have that phone, please. Um, but it just shows you that the, the lack of value that people place on stuff. And, and like, and this is a different conversation, but like we have become a society where sometimes it's actually cheaper to throw something away, something perfectly functional, than it is to, to use it. And yeah. that's really terrible. You know, that's really depressing. And I, I don't sound like Kamal fella remembering the good old days. But, you know, there was a time when we did... In my father's time, yeah, go on. <laughs> on stuff. You know, whereas nowadays it all just seems so dispensable. And you see that in technology and you see that in fast fashion. And, you, you know, it... it, it I think that it's one of those things that's going to have to change because everybody's becoming more acutely aware of climate change and the environmental destruction of mass production. And, you know, maybe if we... Ju- and I think one of the things about the pandemic has shown us is that maybe we don't need to be buying all that stuff all yeah. the time. Maybe we could actually just buy a little bit less. And for and, and maybe the stuff that we do buy, we buy locally. And I think then everybody would win. Okay. Except maybe Jeff Bezos. But let's face it, Jeff Bezos is worth $190 billion. Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos doesn't need any more money. No, he can't. He can't spend what he what he has. Listen, yeah, well, no, what I did see that MacBook Pro indeed it was a, was one of the items. I think they were saying they had to get rid of one hundred and thirty nine thousand items a month or something uh, from Amazon. That's right. Some, something ridiculous like that. Um, but I mean, when I saw that they were throwing out uh, MacBook Pros, I thought to myself, uh, "Hang it, lads! You know, please you can send one send one my way." Uh, Connor Pope of the Irish Times, thank you so much for joining us uh, today on the program, and uh, thank you indeed as always for joining us, uh, Keith. So many errors. Uh, in what you're talking about when it comes to uh, rail transport. It would take a full programme to sort it out. After going through the last 18 months, I think the only option is a greenway. Train is a waste of money, somebody else's as well. And are people running out of things to give out about again? People were told about the tax and the prime. In fairness, is good shipping uh, and good people as well. And another caller said, Keith, at least 20 trucks carrying Irish consumers, Amazon purchases are coming through. Rosslear, your report from the continent every day since Brexit uh, came into effect at the beginning of the year. Another caller said, um, she must have been a friend of yours, Keith. What's that about uh, from there? Uh, hi, Keith, uh, this caller said, can Connor please help? My sister just noticed her bank statement that somehow Amazon Prime has taken €1,500 out of her account. She never knowingly signed up uh, with them and rarely buys online. She doesn't even know what uh, to do, this uh, caller said uh, about it. And this comes from somebody in Loch Ray. Um, She can contact Connor, yeah. His his, uh, email address is on the Irish Times website. Not a bother there. And Keith, I visit my hairdressers and uh, there's maybe one other person there. She collects my name and details for contract tracing. And then there are videos going about two public houses in our area. And uh, 
there are jam-packed with people. No social distancing, the scholar said, whatsoever. And where's the logic in this? We're all heading down the lockdown road again fast if this doesn't stop. And you tell me where the two um, pubs are as well. I don't know. I just don't know, to be quite honest, if that's the case. Uh, that's it for today. We're back July from Studio One tomorrow morning. I'm just looking here. Cabelli Keneally bus is getting traction as well on the comment line today. And uh, a huge amount of comments in, in relation to um, Bishop Brendan Kelly as well today on the programme. So uh, thank you indeed. We'll, um, we'll pass some of those on to him, but uh, lots of... Um, he has announced that he has... Um, he has announced indeed that he has... Um, Sorry, he's announced that he's uh, tendered his resignation from there. Uh, that woman with the suits, this caller said, she must have been a friend of yours. No, she wasn't. She was an absolute stranger that rang in with the, with the message. So no, she wasn't a friend of mine at all. She rang in, left a message for me, and uh, uh, the girls just gave it to me. So there you go. Nah, 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 nah. I promised I wasn't going to be negative today. I've had enough of it. Talk to you tomorrow just after the 9 o'clock news for Thursday's show. Katie produced. Siobhan took all of your comments. Johnny helped out with Jobs Hot today. Well done. We shall talk to you uh, tomorrow morning after 9 o'clock. If you do want to get in contact with us, KF Show at GoldwayBFM.ie. That's KF Show at GoldwayBFM.ie. You can also simply ring us on 0917700077 and on all the social media channels as well. Channels as well. Have a great Wednesday. Talk to you soon.